You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, guys and gals, as we uh, take you through here another daily delivery of all things Dog Pound on Locked On Browns. Jeff Floyd, Pete Smith, navigating you through here. Uh, remember, the hands-free, whether it's in the car, whether it's Alexa at home, or any other. Play podcast, Locked On Browns, have the latest episode Brought up for you. Never forget those iTunes rating reviews. Key essential to finding new future listeners and obviously help with the show growth. Uh, Pete, we're starting to get you know, some word. Obviously, uh, we have maybe one confirmed, but some will start to uh, leak out now about this rookie camp on the guys who were invited. About the guys who are going to get to stick around here for the next couple of months and you know, hopefully don't make it here too late July. Uh, now, confirmation now, Willie Harvey Jr., linebacker of, out, out of uh, Iowa State. Um, little confusion. Um, he was not the undersized edge rusher from East Carolina. He is a linebacker from Iowa State, Pete. And first things first for me, dude, you rock the number two and you play linebacker. That's not a bad start. He's uh, short uh, but reasonably athletic, more productive than the fifth-round pick. I mean, they're basically even athletic-wise, so... I mean, if you take out the uh, draft part of it, uh, they're basically pretty much even as to who's better, uh, at least based on on what they've done to this point. But, uh, you know, they've got a couple linebackers they brought in. I don't think any of them are terribly great. But the problem is the Browns don't have depth. Uh, it's better, uh, but it's not great. So there are some jobs there. And, it, you know, whether it's, Rookies like this, these guys, uh, like uh, Harvey and I think it's Anthony Stubbs and Diedrich Young II. Uh, a lot of juniors and a lot of seconds rolling through here. The seamstresses are going to earn their money. Yeah, so, I mean, and if none of those guys do, do the job for them, uh, don't be surprised if they start trying to hit the waiver wire at some point and try to keep getting some guys. I mean, uh, you, you know, the Eagles getting... Uh, Zach Brown for three million for one year is a steal. Obviously, Zach Brown didn't get the long-term deal he's hoping for, uh, but he gets an opportunity to go start there, which is why he's there and not here. Uh, so it's a great move for them. But there may be some guys in that uh, veteran mold that could come in later in the process and and give them a little more depth, hopefully a little bit more on special teams, since that is it has been a big focus to this point. Well, look, it it just can't a it can't go on anymore and. Pete, we had talked about this all last summer when people had mentioned, you know, uh, Jeff Janis, always a great gunner. You sucked then. The The point shouldn't have been special teams. The point should have been finding the best 22, then the best depth for the 22. Now, if you think you have a more established roster, it's okay to look at guys and say, yes, he may be my fourth, my fifth linebacker, but he's going to be a core special teams player. You know, when everybody wanted to talk about it last summer, that was putting you know putting the cart before the horse. Now, yeah, it's part of the deal. Yeah, I mean, not only is it part of the deal, it looks like in terms of the draft, it seemed to move guys up their board. Uh, everybody they drafted plays special teams, uh, whether it's the actual kicker or all the player position players have done it at some point and. One could make the argument that maybe they they sacrificed uh, talent, uh, sheer talent for guys that were able to contribute there. So, you know, it remains to be seen. But it, it, you're you're in a situation now where the roster's not uh, just grabbing talent. You're actually trying to get specific 
uh, role players. So we'll see if it works out. But you know, if they don't get the special teams contributions, you know, in addition to being able to help out in the field, then it won't be long before people start, you know, looking at the options passed up. I mean, that may be part of the reason they didn't take any defensive linemen. Uh, but at the very least, it's clearly was a focus on them to get guys that gunners, uh, coverage guys, all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, the things with Harvey, I mean, you know, he was an honorable mention, Big 12 candidate three times, uh, almost 300 career total tackles. Can't argue with that. I mean, you know, guy produced, uh, you know, he's athletic, uh, but, you know, and everybody with Mac Wilson, I mean, everybody wants to write these ro- long testimonials about the player he is, but in actuality, at the end of the day, he was a late fifth-round pick. So, I mean... Not only was he a fifth-round pick, he just wasn't good. I mean, it, like, there's all this talk about how he's a steal, but, you know, and even, you know, the Browns' own network sort of teed it up for Elliot Wolf to say he was a steal. He was in the fifth round because he's a fifth-round player. He just is. I mean, there's not enough... You know, from an evidence standpoint, to go well, this kid's great. Uh, and even the, you know, they did the behind the Browns. They're building the Browns uh, thing, and they said the talent's in there, which would have been a hundred percent applicable to Chad Thomas a year ago. That is, to me, what this pick is. Obviously, he can play special teams, uh, and he is a lesser pick so there's less risk there but in a lot of ways those two guys are very similar to me uh yeah and look let's just you know chips going to fall where they may who knows who's going to get hurt whatever who's going to hit the ground running who's going to get the you know basically the fear you know the, the fear of you know the it's one thing to do it uh you know in dress rehearsal it's one thing to do it when the lights go on uh but we're going to get through this and a bunch of other great stuff uh we have some listener questions here that are going to bring up some great uh conversations uh pete i do want to give this to you here a uh, little feather in your cap lewis riddick safety juan thornhill going to be that guy that how did he get out of the first round is uh, is what is quickly debated once the games start. Well, on the one hand, it sounds like you listen to the pod because I'm fairly dead. But uh, on the other so hand, thank you, the, Lewis, thank you. On the other hand, that might be the kiss of death because he... Now all the uh, pressure in the world's on him. Well, no, he said Solomon Thomas was better than Miles uh, uh, Garrett. He also said Bradley Chubb was better than Miles Garrett. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, one Thornhill is going to be So great. he's due. So Lewis is due. He he is due, uh, especially if you're you know interviewing for 49ers GM jobs. Uh, it, it may be time to up that batting average a little bit. So hopefully Juan Thornhill helps him out. And you're competing with Matt Miller apparently because there's somebody that's obsessed on Twitter that apparently <laughs> Matt Miller was up for that job, and he's got evidence apparently. So watch out, kids. And then when Matt Miller tells you no, that is absolutely false. There's no way in the world, and the guy still digs and tries to continue to take that stance. Lewis Riddick, the future Giants GM, I'm guessing. Uh, I don't know, man. Poor Lewis, you don't want that. Come on, Pete, they put out a highlight tape, man. Daniel Jones was dropping dimes. I didn't every... watch it. I just saw some of the comments. Dude, it was 30 seconds, and I don't I don't think he hit anybody other than a back, and I don't think any throw went more, more than 70 yards. I saw some of the comments. They're like, it's all, it's all swing routes. You know, the yep. best thing he does is he runs. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, it's not great, not great uh, with with that situation. Well, whatever, Giants, go ahead, have that, keep rocking with it. Um, all right, I guess this has kind of been the main one here, and obviously it already took off on Twitter a little bit, though. Um, and Pete, we discussed this the second Steve Wilkes came in the door. Um, here was a guy, obviously, you know, one year run as a head coach. It didn't go well for him, but granted, you know, 
guy didn't have much to work with. Um, so he, he, you know, and we we both said we agreed. He got a fa- he didn't get a fair deal. He kind of got screwed over. But I mean, obviously, it's no worse than what did, just what they just did with Josh Rosen anyway. So you know, Cardinals are a hot stinking mess. We'll see if this turns out and Kyler Murray is the guy because they had a good draft otherwise. And we'll see you know, you know how it works out with the new head coach. But uh, with Wilkes coming in and look, you know, Denzel Ward look did play zone, better man player. Greedy Williams, we'll see if he can become his own player. Better man player. This comes down to good coaches who adapt to what they have. And if you want a better, you know, and not saying that everybody should be Bill Belichick, but every year it's a little bit of a different version. And it's, all right, well, where are we strong? And what did we see in this playoff run? They were really strong running the freaking ball. So what do they do? Put the focus on running the ball. Rob Gronkowski, you know, obviously there wasn't much left of him. And, you know, the guy's was dinged up, retired. Whether or not he comes back, who knows. But they took one asset in Rob Gronkowski, who was usually a game changer in the receiving aspect. And, Pete, he was out there like they were running, you know, a, a six offensive line formation. And he was blocking like an absolute franchise tackle. Sure. So this conversation really goes down, comes down to what – you know what did the Browns do last year? What are they doing? Going to do this year? Last year, um, where all these people are talking about, you know, Denzel Ward going, oh no, Steve Wilkes comes in and he's going to run a bunch of zone. Greg Williams ran a cover three scheme, cover three, cover one. Steve Wilkes comes in, he runs cover three, cover one. Uh, it's you know the devil's in the details, and part of that is understanding what the hell cover three even is. So cover three, in essence, is you have three guys going back dividing the field into thirds, uh, and which three of those guys could depend. So if you have two corners in the free safety dropping back a traditional cover three, uh, you know, and, and a receiver on one side of the field runs and challenges that corner short of running a post where he has to pass off, uh, he's going to be covering. It, it's man, it's off man at that point, which Denzel Ward did at Ohio State uh, and certainly did last year. If you get into a situation where you drop two safeties and one corner and then Denzel Ward is pressed up on somebody, tight man coverage, you're still running cover three. So what do you call that? It's still zone, but he's in man coverage. So you can get into some issues with that because, you know, the there are certainly teams that run a very traditional base cover three. Seattle is very famous for this. But, you know, with the way combo coverages work and all these different things – a couple guys can be running zone and a couple guys can be running man on the same play and you call it whatever the hell you want. You can call it man, you can call it zone if you want to get into what individual guys are doing. And maybe that's the basis for the criticism by PFF is, which is what got so much of this attention, then so be it. I mean, if, if, if they charted it and, you know, Patrick Peterson was in almost entirely zone reps while he was at Arizona, I, I, I get the concern. However, Patrick Peterson was also great. Uh, not just great before last season, he was phenomenal last season. One of the best he's ever had, even on a dog shit team. So, you can get into this thing of, look, if they if you're playing a team like, let's say, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they're going to send guys down the field, it, it, it effectively turns into cover one, and the only guy who's really a deep zone guy at that point is going to be Demarius Randall. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you're going to end up with a lot of zone coverage. It just comes down to where they're going and how they want to deal with it. And there's so many different ways to draw it up and so many different ways to sort of play around with it. But if you're a team that likes to be aggressive, uh, there are, you know, let's say, you know, you've got Greg Williams, you've got Steve Wilkes, and both these guys really like the blitz. 
if you want to cover your back end by dropping to zone, which is what Greg Williams liked to do, uh, that is one option. Uh, certainly you left a lot of underneath throws op- available. A lot of those third down screens that just butchered the Browns at times where that where they're evacuating space too much and leaving that hole there. You could also blitz and you know the, the numbers become more important in this situation, but if you want to go cover zero or cover one and blitz a lot of dudes and you've got a man behind whatever. So the bottom line is it's all about ratios. So if Steve Wilkes was a you know, let's say he was a 90% zone guy. I have no idea at Carolina, and he was a 70% zone guy at Arizona. Again, these numbers are pulled out of absolutely nowhere. If he's now a 50% zone guy in Cleveland, does anybody care? No. The other part about this is, regardless of what Freddie Kitchen said in public, and I'm not saying he's a liar by any stretch, this was covered in the interview. Like, if anybody's been part of a coaching interview, like, I see coaches – on Twitter, who I know have been in interviews or have been in coaches' meetings, they know damn well what goes on with this stuff, and this has been covered. You know, this has been covered in terms of meetings, in terms of what happens if you get insert player. You know, what are you going to do? And they still have to sign off on that. And and partly you could say that, well, you know, Steve Wilkes is going to be gone in year X. So we're not really worried about that. Well, I think you're, you know, that's at least three years away, uh, unless you fire him, uh, that he's going to be your guy. So I don't buy the argument. Well, Steve Wilkes is, isn't really going to be here anyway. They, you know, he was picked, hired, and all this stuff, and then consulted on all these things. So if he can't figure it out, based on what he, you know, planned ahead of time, what he's got with his personnel then you've got the wrong man running the defense by virtue of the fact he's an idiot, not because he runs a particular scheme. Obviously, you know, with last year, between Greg Williams and Hugh Jackson, you were stuck with two guys who were going to do whatever they were going to do, and the people were almost immaterial. Freddie Freddie is a big proponent of adjusting to his scheme, or adjusting to his talent. Yes. And fitting his scheme around it. I cannot fathom that the conversation got to the point where we're hiring you, and he's like, no, don't worry about it. You run your scheme, and, and we'll find dudes to fit it. That's just it, – it just doesn't make sense from a logical standpoint. It, you know, why would Steve Wilkes take the job? Why would Freddie Kitchens hire him in the job? And I understand the idea that, well, you're interviewing for the job because you want to get, get the job. But if it's a bad job or it's a bad fit – Steve Wilkes has been around the block long enough to know, you know, he was a head coach. You got a bum rap at it, but you don't take jobs that are bad for you because if you do and you compile those things, you stop getting called or you stop getting called for those gigs you want. So it has to be a really good fit. And as much as Freddie Kitchens is saying, I want A, B, and C at the same time, uh, Steve Wilkes is saying, what do we do in the situation of A, B, C, or D, E, F, or whatever it is? You're going to get into these conversations where both guys are making sure that this is the right situation for them. It's not just he'll talk his way through the interview, get the job, then figure it out later. Well, and the other thing is, you know, it's not about scheme here for Wilkes. It's about taking this Cleveland Browns defense and making it one of the top five in the league. And, it's again, it's adapting to what you have. And look, if Greedy is not ready to go right away, that's fine. You want to, you know, play some zone coverage like you know they they 
was done here last year. There's no problem with that. What enhances, what Steve Wilkes wants to do is get the hell out of here and get the whistle again. He wants to be the head coach again somewhere. So how does he do that is making the Browns a top five defense. Um, and we're spending so much time talking about coverage where Steve Wilkes might be saying, look, I'll figure out the coverage later because I'm going to tell you right now, this defensive line is going to terrorize quarterbacks. And so, and that's it, it's a win-win for you know, for Wilkes to show more. You know, you enhance the resume, adapt to what you have, because if you're going to be a head coach, how do you keep the gig? Is to be successful year in year out. You adapt to the 53 you have, and that's what he's going to have to do. So uh, you know, we got more uh, and some more questions related to this. But guys, if you're looking for a new podcasting app, let me suggest Himalaya to, uh, Himalaya to you. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their uh, personally curated playlists, new features every day. Uh, make sure, uh, you know, if you're looking for a new one, go ahead, download Himalaya at your app store. Make sure you subscribe to Locked on Browns, and you can get us over there every day as well. So, uh, you know, appreciate you guys, whatever avenue you go to. But uh, if you're looking for something different on your podcast app, go ahead, check out Himalaya. We'll go with a, a fun one here. Mike the Mizzou fan. Pete, where would the parade route be in February. Say that again. Where would the parade route in Cleveland be in February? Oh, I assume it would be, you know, basically the, basically from the Indian Stadium down to the Brown Stadium or some something thereof, uh, you know, and down by the lake, essentially. I, I, you know, whatever they could put it wherever the hell they want. Wherever it's going to be, it's going to be an would be an absolute. Mob seeing the likes of when the Cavs won the championship, if not, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood, it'd be tough to tough to eclipse that because that was such an event, uh, a touchdown event more than it was even a basketball championship. Uh, certainly the Browns may bring some of that back because it's just a different deal with the Browns. Mike, the Mizzou fan, thanks for the question. And sticking with the theme here that we've had to this point, though, uh, Daniel Cooksey. Uh, your feeling on the idea that coverage is more important than edge rusher that's going around media circles right now. I'll just start with a simple no before I give mine, but Pete, if the quarterback doesn't have time, he just doesn't have time, and you want evidence of it, go to the Cincinnati games and go... Uh, look, if this D-line does what it's supposed to do, you could have two fifth-round rookie corners playing and starting and it's probably not going to make that much of a difference. Right. Uh, look, the difference between coverage and pass rush is the pass rush can can batter you to the point where you don't want anymore. You can throw interceptions all day and not get hit, uh, you know, and feel fine. Uh, but, you know, at some point you want the pounding to stop. So, you know, I don't care what level you're talking about. Eventually you start feeling, seeing ghosts feeling things that aren't there or you keep feeling the thing that is there over and over and over again. If you're trying to get into the idea that run defense is not as valuable as pass defense, yeah, that's fine. I got no issue with that. Uh, there's It's more of a specialized skill, and, and, and the game is about, you know, so much about you have a quarterback or you don't. So, you know, being able to hit the quarterback, being able to cover, fine. But if you're telling me could I, you know – you can make the argument and say, you know, the best corner in the league is more valuable than the best pass rusher in the league sheer, based on the sheer fact that the corner is not coming off the field. Fine. I'm taking the defensive end. Or, or in my world. Aaron I'm Donald taking, even. Aaron yeah, Donald, well, the, the, the kid from I, the I, Eagles. Elite 
If I have the option, I will take an elite, elite, elite guy closest to the football. I will take an if there's a guy with Hall of Fame talent at nose, I will take Hall of Fame talent at nose before I take anything else. Then it will be three tech. Then it will be defensive end. Straight up, the closer the ball he is, the better. So like, you know, in Dominican Sue at the peak of his powers, that's a problem. You get like uh, Chris Jenkins when he was an absolute monster before his knee fell apart a couple times with Carolina. It was just an absolute freak show. Uh, when you get those guys working at what they do, where everybody has to respect it because he's about, you know, the better part of six inches from the football at the start of the play, there's no avoiding that. You have to deal with it. Uh, defensive ends, you can a little bit cut off half the field or, you know, whatever. You can't deal with – if you don't have the guys to deal with a stud – uh, interior presence, they ruin your life. Eric Donald is the most valuable defensive player in the league, just in part because he's that damn good at it, but also where he is. you know, That's a huge part of it. He's a couple feet from the ball at every every play, and, and you know, Tom Brady on down hate issues around their feet. That is a massive problem. That is the one thing that they hate more than anything else. So, again, getting back to what is more valuable – Who's the guy who's going to disrupt the pocket and make the quarterback uncomfortable? It's not going to be corners. God bless them. Tom Brady will still beat you eventually if if the corners are there. The two, the two times he lost the Giants, it was pass rushing that did the job. Yep. Certainly they had enough coverage. But hitting, getting hit, get, feeling pressure constantly is what they did the job. Or, you know, Peyton Manning had issues when it came to pass rushes and stuff like that. For a while in his career, it was dealing with uh, three, four uh, rushes and stuff like that. Those are far more valuable than corners. At the end of the day, as good as corners and stuff are, there's only so many coverages out there. You cannot scheme out of this hurts. Well, and the other factor is, you know, ball placement comes into it. So even there's the, you know, and I remember the story of Peyton Manning after his rookie year going home and talking to his dad. And he's like, man, nobody's open in this league. And his father telling him, no, look, Peyton, yeah, I mean, they may appear covered, but you got to throw them open. So that means whether it's high in a way or it's low in a way or, you know, you have to, you know, and, and Peyton Manning learned that lesson, took it to task, and obviously everybody knows the career he had. But, you know, the pass rush, look, if you got a quarterback who's taking a five-step drop and by the time he hits his fifth step, it's not looking at the, progr- the, you know, the, the progression of his receivers. It's, oh, crap. Here's Sheldon Richardson in my grill. Here's Miles Garrett. Already beat the whoop the left tackle's ass. Oh no, we doubled Miles Garrett. No, um, Olivier Vernon one on one on one. Now, oh no, wait a minute, Larry, you know, Larry Ogunjo. It's 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 not a disrespect to defensive back because it is it is an extremely difficult position to have to stand with one guy for the possibility of forty five to fifty yards, and it's not just straight line. It could be all over the field, all day coverage, all day patterns, whatever. But the fact that somebody can ruin a play within two seconds of his existence, that's the guy you got to worry about. And Pete and I have preached this, whether it's the Rams, whether it was the Jaguars, you know, to an AFC Championship game, they should have won. If you have a beast defensive line group, it, 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 it's if you have great corners, that's a bonus. But if you don't, it's it's still okay. And look, Jalen Ramsey made plays, you know, uh, obviously uh, – the other cornerback in Jacksonville, they were a great duo and a great, but they didn't necessarily need those two guys because the play was over within three seconds. So a lot of it was just you know chuck and duck, 
or the D-line got home and did their job and it was a sack, or it was just, you know, you know, I ran three yards to my right, made sure I was out of the tackle box and hit the nearest blade of grass I could find. There is no substitute for the disruption a good defensive line can bring, and especially with the front four, the Browns will hopefully start the season with Pete. Who is the defensive player that defined the 1970s? Huh? Who is the defensive player that... Uh, 70s? Deacon Jones? That too soon? Deacon Jones or Alan Page? One of those, you know, who defined the 80s? Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor. Who defined the 90s? Reggie White. Fair or no? Try. Reggie White. Uh, John Randall. Names of that ilk. Yeah, well, I would say, you know, Reggie White and, and then Bruce Smith were the two. There I mean, you go. And, they, and obviously they, they, you know, their their careers spill over into the 80s too. But it's not corners. God bless, you know, Deion Sanders is great. Deion Sanders is an all-timer. You've got guys like Mel Blunt. He's an all-timer. I, I get it. But, you know, Lawrence Taylor defined the sport. Uh, he changed the game. Aaron Donald is currently changing the game of football. Uh, that is where we're at with this. J.J. Watt, guys who changed the sport. Uh, those are the guys, and they're all pass rushers. They are not corners. They will never be corners. They're not safeties. Uh, let's see. Pete drives a hard argument there. But, look, I mean, when you get to the fact that where you, you know, and if you want one, go to the Cincinnati game last year, the first one, and Miles Garrett with the 12 quarterback pressures. And, look, the offense was humming that day. But Cincinnati did not have a chance. So, you know, obviously – a little bit here to where you know how important offensive line is, but the, even with the greatest offensive line, you can't block if you have the deep, a, a very, very deep and talented defensive line that any position can get after the quarterback. It's only a matter of time. It, 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 there's just no more emphasis you can put on it. Um, this would be here from at Hot Route, uh, Woody. What are the, well, early percentage odds, maybe not percentage odds, maybe we'll do in or out, um, to make the 53 for the reserve guys on the OL deal. Uh, names like Cush, Pete, Harrison, Forbes, Chad Thomas, our buddy, Davis, Zettel, Ray, etc. Let's take it one at a time. Cush, in or out? I think he's going to be the backup center. All right, so there we are in Cush. Uh... I'll go out now. I think they've brought a lot in, but we'll see how that goes. Desmond Harrison, Pete, in or out? Out, and I'm not even sure he makes it to camp. (sighs) He may make it to camp, but uh, with all they've done and what they've addressed and the fact that a lot of these guys have football resumes definitely makes you think that, uh, you know, Desmond Harrison, I, I think they realized that that was a tried experiment and a failed experiment, and Desmond Harrison is going to turn 26 in September or October, what it is. It is what yeah. it is. Just, yeah, if, if, he, if he takes a single rep at right tackle, he should basically just go pack his shit. Yeah, because, hey, look, it's... it's if, <laughs> I mean, Out of the rod, baby. The second I saw him taking right tackle reps, I said, pack your shit. He was gone like the next day. And, yes. And off. Still with the Chiefs? I think he's still with the Chiefs. He's awesome? like the seventh offensive tackle for the Texans. You just use oh, the first Texans, that's right. pick on one. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. A guy from you know, Alabama A&T, whatever. Uh, Drew Forbes, uh, early returns, I'll say in. Yeah, he's going to be in. It's just a question of where. Um, I'm assuming and our, our good boy Chad Thomas is going to take a stinking miracle, Pete. <laughs> um, 
you know, again, going back to yesterday, I think I think if he's a defensive tackle, his odds are substantially higher than if he's a defensive end. I'll say if he's a defensive tackle, in. If he's a defensive end, I'll say out. I, I don't think he can beat all these guys. The fact they signed two more defensive ends makes me think he's in, he's already in trouble. But again, defensive tackle seems more likely. Makes sense on the numbers. Don't have any verification on that, but that's my theory. Well, and the other theory there, though, also is, is you know, is there any worrying about saving face anyway whatsoever as far as, you know, your front office in, in the scouting department? Uh, no, it, it shouldn't be. It's about putting the best, best 53 out there. Uh, brings us to Davis, Zettel, and Ray in or outs. Zettel, yeah, he's going to make it. Because yeah, Zettel can play anywhere on this defensive line now. Uh, yeah, I think – I, they didn't really use him inside, but I think he can do it. Obviously, it's a, a pass rush package, but you know he he's had a good year when he's been really part of the defense with the Lions, and then you know we barely got tastes of him. But what little we got was pretty good last year. Mm-hmm. I believe it was the Falcons game, you know, where he you know he closed. I had a big sack, and then. We all got nervous about an injury, and it turned out he was on the play for the final field. Uh, yep. So that puts Davis and Ray into it. Uh, Ray's going to be interesting. I think Ray's going to be a practice squad guy. Well, that's uh, at least you're hoping so. Yeah, he may get grabbed by somebody else. Uh, who is Dave? Who is Dave Davis? I'm wondering if he missed the name there. That's what happens when you only give last names. So let's see what else we got here. Well, Pete's digging up here. Is there any chance of interviewing the rookies on the pod? Pete, you actually got to talk to Dorian Baker, didn't you? I have t- spoken to Darian. I have interviewed Dorian Baker once. Oh, I know he's talking about Carl Davis. Oh, Carl. Uh, Look, yeah. it, it, he will have every opportunity, uh, given the fact they haven't really done much to address it. So, it, it, you know, they will not be surprised if he gets a ton of reps uh, early and often and to see if he can do it. Against starters because they know what Larry well, yeah, I, is, and Sheldon Richardson too. I'd be surprised if either one of those guys take a, a a handful of reps in the preseason. It'll be you know Carl Davis will be fighting for the fact that are you the third defensive tackle on this team? Well, not only that, but I mean just in practice, if if you can't deal with you know uh, J C Treader and Austin Corbett and Joel Batonio, why why are we even going to bother? Like you have to be able to do that. So. That's a lot of pressure. Um, I have interviewed Dorian Baker uh, several years ago uh, when he was at Cleveland Heights, and they rolled out Cleveland Heights teams A, B, and C at Akron U uh, <laughs> because they have so many kids. Uh, he unfortunately went down. He was very, very impressive. Uh, and I, 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 I had my one question in interview was, are you going to be all right? And his, his answer was, I don't know. Uh, he, I, I, th- I think he ultimately ended up fine, but he was a big freaking dude as he still is now but he definitely looked like a d1 guy at that point i think he was still a junior then yeah um i have feelers out to these guys it's just a question about connecting obviously this weekend was an absolute whirlwind um i'm not gonna give up names or whatever but uh, you know i've I, i've had some you know some interaction with some of these guys and i'll tell you right now these guys are literally like blown away this is like going to college for the first day of your life away from home but on steroids for what these kids are going through right now. So, Especially because uh, they go right home. Well, that's the other thing, yeah. But, I mean, like, you, you get a taste of it, and it's quick, and it's – and obviously for some of these guys who were there, you know, obviously on invite, it's 
it, it's just an insane and so much going on so fast. And you try to play the good soldier and absorb all information and everything that comes your way. Uh, but uh, you know, these kids—they're fun. They're excited. They are—you know—every one of them geeked up. And I, I'm trying to think who uh, whoever put out the tweet yesterday, and I forget who it was. If I can't give credit, but just even getting to this point where you got to spend—you know—48 hours wearing an NFL helmet, you know, working with NFL coaching. That, I mean, look, you know, obviously everybody wants more than that, but just to get to that point, the minute percentage of football players that get to achieve that, Pete, it's, it's, I mean, it's literally like winning the freaking lottery. Yeah, I think it was Emery Hunt, and, uh, Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're a guy who can even say you had a cup of coffee in the NFL, like, that's, you know, more than you know, whatever percentage of other people on the planet, like that's, you know, 99%, you know, to whatever fraction that ends up being of people who never get that opportunity. So even if you, you know, you go to camp once and they never, you know, basically say you're not good enough, at least you got to go. Uh, Hopefully they let you take your shit home uh, and and make it happen. Bear with me. You're on, Paul. Yeah, so that's where we're at on that, guys. Uh, obviously, you know, knowing some of these kids and what they're going through, and look, you know, as we talked about with the Emory Hunt tweet, it's it, it it's the most minute thing in the world to even get to this point. So, you know, we'll give them some time. Uh, you know, I, I've talked to a little bit Darren Hall. I'm sorry, I didn't. I said I wasn't going to give a name. I did give one. Uh, you know, very excited for him. He's actually a guy I really like as a UDFA who I think is going to fit in here somehow, some way. Because as I said many times, I think you need Nick. You need Nick Chubb insurance. We know we love the term insurance on the show. So Nick Chubb insurance, Darren Hall might provide that. So we'll see. I'm sure he's excited to talk about production and his athletic traits and all those things. Really get down to the numbers. I'm sure that's what he, what he wants to talk about. Let's do this. Uh, yeah, and of course, you know, I mean, because look, I mean, you have Darren Hall who's got a extremely similar career path to a guy who went round one to the Raiders. But Darren Hall didn't get to hear his name chose, so there is that. Uh, guys, iTunes rating reviews. Uh, if that's where you listen, uh, do me a favor. Go ahead. Drop a five-star. Drop a written review. Uh, let everybody know, you know all the uh, great things going on over here at Lockdown Browns. Pete, uh, I got a couple of questions. The best team currently on the 2019 Browns schedule is... Do we still say it's New England? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's it's. I just don't know who else. You know, I don't brown anybody that that scares you that much. They don't play uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. They they don't play. Uh, who else is like super dangerous right now? They don't play the Colts. They don't play. Uh, they don't play any of the NFC South teams. So I mean, you're you're you know, I, I think the same. They're going to be really, really good again. And so, something like that. So, it's really the Patriots, are really that team. And not only because they are really good, it's because they know they're really good. And they sort of understand what it takes to get there. And I think there's a little bit of a an edge they have just when you, they walk in the building of, you know, the, we've done this. You guys haven't. And, you know, that, you know, hopefully the Browns take that as a you know, extra little bit of, you know, encouragement, a little motivation and stuff to get on that level. But, you know, there are teams that, you know, you run into that. It, it's, you know, like the same deal with, you know, tiny schools who go to that, you know, that 
time college for the first time on that and the sound is deafening and there's just so many people in the stands and all that stuff where it's just overwhelming. So that that for me is still the best. Um, if you want to give a second contender, I guess you would say the Rams, um, because obviously, you know, you're going to play both uh, your Super Bowl, Super Bowl contenders, you know, from the previous year. So obviously that's going to give you some pause and some hesitation. Uh, Pete, is there anything we missed here? Guys, look, if we're going to go every day, it, it may be a little harder to go the full hour um, until we get into full camps. Obviously, there's only so much they give us from rookie camp. Anything we missed here, Pete? Not that I know of. I am very curious to see if any veteran gets cut this week. Uh, I have my eye on one. Oh, all right. I'm listening. Again, he's he's here. Maybe they'll let him take a shot. Again, I don't see what the hell Jalen Strong is doing on the Browns. Uh, If they, you know, and obviously we haven't gotten some of the uh, responses on these tryouts and what uh, all that stuff yet. But if they have some receivers they really like, uh, that they can come in and they're basically looking at it and going, you know, we're we're not going to get – we want to get player X reps. I don't know where we're going to get this guy reps. You might as well cut him loose type deal. Uh, That's a guy that sort of jumps out at me. They already got rid of uh, David Bright, an offensive lineman. Kyle Uh, Friend. Kyle Friend. Uh, So, you know, that's part of what's going on. And – I think that's probably the most fascinating story coming out of this is the those undrafted uh, offensive linemen, as well as the guy they've the guys they've signed this offseason and what they bring and sort of what they do to the guys that were already here. Obviously, we've talked about Desmond Harrison. There's a ton of pressure on him to be. He has to be good. Like he can't just be. He cannot be potential this year. He has to be something good because they've got guys with better potential on the roster there and, and potentially better potential that can beat him out on talent too. So that's the major thing. Uh, I found it interesting that uh, Willie Wright, the kid they've signed, who was a tackle at Tulsa, they are calling a center, uh, which you know with his athletic profile is great. Again, that doesn't mean much for center, but he do- is shorter. He's only six. They listed him six three. I think he's really six two and change. Uh, but that that's another wrinkle into this thing. Uh, him and Trevon Tate uh, are both listed at center. So they, at the very least, are going to ask some important questions of that position. Uh, right now, obviously, J.C. Treader is there. You know, Eric Cush theoretically, is the backup. Maybe they don't want Eric, Austin Corbett to mess with it at all, which is fine. Uh, but, you know, if they, if they potentially have to move somebody over, that, you know, that becomes a little sketchy. But th- they've got... Right now, two undrafted free, uh, two undrafted centers, and uh, and the the guy they signed in Cush. So and and potentially Whitman can be a center too. So they've got a lot of guys who can take who can do snaps. So that's shaping up to be one of the more interesting backup battles, I suppose, because you you know short of somebody else falling on him, and he played on one leg last year. Uh, that's JC JC Treader's job. And the other thing, though, and I do agree, though, that now that if you're going to tell Austin Corbett you are the starting right guard, he's not going to take another center rep again. It's not that you don't go from being the starting right guard to being the backup center. I mean, I guess you could if it was an absolute pinch, but you have to have a stud. You have to have a stud backup right guard in that scenario. Browns have even done it, but you have to have 
a dude in there at guard who can't play center. And generally, the guys who can do center and guard are far more valuable, uh, even if their six, size is more fungible. Yeah, and they're normally not a six offensive lineman. They normally have a job of their own. So it's for a really, really, really tough spot there. Uh, all right, well, thanks to L.A. and the guys. Guys, you tell us. You want me and Pete to sit down with Hiram? Is that really what y'all want? Uh, look, you tell us. Um, look, first things first. Look, set up we, a poll. We, yeah, I mean, we have a look. We, have, I appreciate him for his fandom. We had a bunch of fun busting chops. If it's something you guys want, we'll entertain it. We'll, we'll entertain the app. We can make it work. My early prediction for that poll: seventy-five to twenty-five. No, it'd be interesting, and um. Part of it, and look, you know, Hiram, if you're going to listen to this, part of it is kind of the, some of the language you use and like some of the things you imply, dude. Look, you can't do that, all right? Uh, the the gay references, stuff like that, dude. No, I mean, there's people who listen to the show that I know. That's who they are, and they are damn proud of it. And I'm totally cool with it. And I, I don't, you know, it's twenty. Be who the hell you are, but uh, we'll put this on, on you, the listeners. You know, if you want it. It would make for some fun ribbing and some fun busting chops. Assuming um, Hiram chooses to exist in a reality that is reality. I would love to listen to some Chad, Chad Thomas. I, I would love for him to bring – I tell you what, if he could bring some Chad Thomas defense, that would be fantastic. What, what, you know, what I'd love, and, and this is a world where we have a bunch of money and a significant budget, we bring Hiram in and he does a Chad Thomas film room and just goes through the great – and just shows us on the tape where it's happening and, and pinpointing exactly what it is that makes this kid special, other than the fact that LeBron's drafted him, and that's all it takes for Hiram. Well, apparently not, because it doesn't work for Austin Corbett, so <laughs> there's the yin to that yang on that one, Pete. Uh, guys, look, it's always a pleasure. Uh, you know, Pete's uh, written work soon enough coming to a new venue. Um, Corey Kimmin uh, is going to be kind of filling sp- Pete spot over at NFL Spin Zone. I've had a lot of interactions with him over the last couple of weeks. Um, good guy, uh, works his butt off. So you know, you know, go ahead and check out his work. I, I did want to give him a shout out. Real, real nice kid. Well, I don't want to say kid because I just call everybody kid because I assume everybody's younger than me. But real nice guy. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. As we, you know, Pete's work will be up and running here soon at a new venue. Go ahead and make sure you're following Pete over it at Smith. Uh, I'm sorry, at Rescorp, uh, you know, give him a follow over there. The Locked On Browns Twitter account, it is always a follow-back account. Um, yes, guys, um, I saw a bunch of the DMs today. We're going to find a way to maybe put in a two- to three-minute segment, and we'll, you know, give some football movie some breakdowns, or even just highlight the good parts or whatever, or just trash it if it's really, really bad. But if you guys well, want... I, again, I, I expect <laughs> there's an entire generation of people who have no idea what I what I was talking about in regards to the uh, the uh, highway scene. It was taken out after, after... I don't even know if it was one, maybe a few incidents. It was that fast that that was out of theaters and never seen or heard from again. Yes, there's plenty of it, dude. There's plenty of it, so we'll get into it. And yeah, actually, it'll probably get to show a little bit of the uh, some of the age of some of the listeners of Locked On Browns, which is you know all the more better. Guys, me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, look, guys, we're just going to continue to try to pump out what we can here for you. I uh, want to thank Pete for jumping in here. Jeff Risden was going to join us here tonight, but uh, look, you know, two kids. Oh. Uh, I leave Jeff alone. These things happen. Have to paint his hair again. 
I, I'll be honest with you. Um, he said he was installing a screen door at about 3 o'clock this afternoon, so I'm wondering if maybe you know something didn't go well in that avenue. And uh, who knows? You know. I, I, it'll be done by beer o'clock, I imagine. Yes, I, or I'm getting the uh, you know picture of uh, you know Kramer ripping the screen door off of the Costanza's house and taking it and putting it on his apartment in Jerry's building. You know all that good stuff, guys. For Seinfeld's fans, Anytown, USA. Uh, but guys, we always have a pleasure here. Obviously, so tonight we got we're able to get to you through uh, you know some questions on the coverage, which seems to be very popular uh you know learning about a guy who will go to camp with the browns and will harvey jr at iowa uh, you know iowa state we're able to you know give you some listener questions and one other thing though that i did want to mention is uh somebody else again damn it i'm so mad at myself i usually screenshot these tweets but coordinators you know guys they don't stick around very long i think there's three offensive coordinators in year with the team one of them is josh mcdaniels uh you know there's uh, another one down in jacksonville um don't get so hung up on coordinators. It, a lot of time, it's going to come down to the head coach. It's going to come down to GM and the player and personnel. Um, always adaptation in the NFL. There's just no way around it. Can't beat it. Can't stop it. This is Ben, your daily delivery of all things. All LGB on the LB. Let's go, Browns.